Dear friends, <clears throat> it is March 18th, 2020, and Tafshin Pei, we are here by ourselves because of the coronavirus. There is uh, a mandate from all the doctors and governments that people should not congregate more than 10 people at once. Therefore, we will be giving our class remotely and then publishing it on our podcast and uh, talk about today about the theme of the day of what should be one's perspective in such a situation when uh, one is faced with um, a situation of danger such as this virus that is, according to everyone, may spread very quickly. So we will take a look at the Chazonish. The Chazonish in chapter one of his book, the Emuna Bitochen, has the following comment to make about Bitochen, about belief in God, trust in God, as more popularly translated. He says as follows in chapter 2, actually chapter 2, letter number 1, he says like this, There is a an old uh, mistake that has taken citizenship in the concept of Bitochen, in the concept of belief in God. The name Bitochen that is usually used is a, is a highly uh, praiseworthy attribute and that is a mainstay in one's belief in the, mouth, in, the, in, the, in the mouths of those that are righteous. Somehow it has revolved or evolved in the concept of an obligation to believe that every situation that a person comes upon and every way that he stands, when the future is coming, built in Muhra, then one does not know what's going to be in the future. And there are two ways that the situation can arise. One to be good and not the second one. That a person should believe that good will always be the option. If he is, if a person is suspect uh, on the opposite of good, then whom bechuser bitochen? He is mechuser that he is lacking in belief in Hashem, and that is the the concept that has taken root, that has taken place, that everybody believes. Says the Chazanish ve'ein haraz zubi bitochen nechona. This perspective that everything will be good. Is not correct. Shekol shalon is buyer. Shalon is barer because unless there has been a clarification with prophecy, goral ha'asid the lot of the future ain ha'asid muhra. The future is never known. Who knows the the laws, the judgments of God and His ways? No one knows what's going to be in the future. No one can predict it. It's except for a prophet. And there the Chazanish says, which is the our, our point of our entire discussion this evening regarding this issue, says the Chazanish, The matter of Bitochen is the belief. That there's no such thing as happenstance in the world. Nothing occurs by accident. Anything that's done, any situation that we encounter underneath the sun, as Kohelis frequently says, Ecclesiastes, Underneath the sun, everything is announced. 
The Chazanish does not quote this Gemara, but he's obviously referring to the illusion of the Gemara in Chulin on page 7b. The Gemara there says that a person cannot even stub their toe, as the saying goes, unless it has been announced in Shamayim. So the correct per- perspective on Bitochen, says the Chazanish, is not that everything is going to be good. Things may not be good. Things may not turn out the way that we thought that they are. But the, pers- the correct perspective on Bitochen and belief in Hashem is that things will be in control of God. It is not by accident. It is not happenstance. It is not coincidence. Whatever happens, we are in Hashem's hands. Continues the Chazunish in the next page. We're skipping a little bit just to make our point. And he says, V'kasher ha'odam nifkash b'mikre asher lefi ha'nog she'be'olem tzofo ilov sakana. When a person will come into a situation where it is, as far as the world is concerned, from their perspective, a danger, such as a pandemic, such as a virus. He doesn't give the example such as a virus, but he says, that it is of nature. To be afraid of the nature of the world. And a person's spirit the difficulty of the person's spirit, the hardness of a person's spirit will make him weak. Meliskor from remembering. Sometimes, yes, we may, we may inculcate within ourselves this concept that nothing is by accident. But when we come into the actual situation, the difficulty of the situation, the anxiety, the pressure may make us forget that happenstance is not our, our, is not our master. That Hashem will always has no has, has no hindrance from from saving us from every situation. And therefore, people sometimes try every single thing possible in order to alleviate their situation. But the the restraint or the forbearance that a person will show at this difficult time, and to implant in, 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 in the recesses of their, of their souls, the truth, that in front of a person there is no accident that's evil, that is coming from happenstance. person should remember that everything is coming from Hashem, whether it's good or whether it's chas v'shalom, the opposite. And that the, this root of a person's belief will, will melt a person's fear. And it will give a person strength to believe in the possibility of salvation. That Hashem does not have in front of him, that uh, the, 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 the person does not have in front of them uh, a veerance, uh, a veering towards evil, more, any, any, any more than good. This matter, this type of approach to life is what is called bitachon. This type of approach to life is called the trust in Hashem. That we're literally trusting in Hashem that the situation that we were put into, the situation that we find ourselves in, that situation is the situation that was meant to be or that has been arranged by Hashem and that we're in His hands and that it's not an accident, that it's not happenstance with the things that are happening to, happening to us. 
And this is, this is uh, conceptually, the Gemara says this, the Chazanish does not quote this Gemara, but the Gemara does say this in Tractate Nida on page 16b. The Gemara says, the Gemara says that, the, the Gemara says that the angel that is appointed at conception brings the drop from which a child will be born. And he says in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he says, Hashem, tipazu matihi aleha. What is this drop going to be? It's going to be Asher Ani. This person will be either rich or poor. Gibra Cholish. They will be either strong or weak. Chachamatipesh. They will either be smart or the opposite. The only thing that the angel does not decree, the only thing that the angels does not say, is that whether he's going to be whether he's going to be a tzaddik or a rasha, whether he's going to be righteous or he's going to be evil. Because Rabbi Hanina said throughout Shas, as we said many times before on this page, also in Brachas 33, also in Megillah 25, everything is in, in, in the hands of heaven with the exception of the fear of heaven, the free choice that a person has, that free choice is his, is his, is hers to choose. So therefore, you see from this Gemara, as the Chazanish is saying, that the situation, even our own abilities, even our own strengths are all predetermined by God. The entire theater with which I, we find ourselves in and all the props of this world, whether it's for good or whether it's seemingly bad, all these props are, are, are designed by the designer. It's not an accident. It's not happenstance that there is a virus, that there is chas v'shalom, a situation of danger. The only thing that we have to do in such a situation is to make choices, is only to choose. And the Chazonish later on gives an example. He gives an example at the end of the chapter in letter in Ois Vav, in number six. He says that sometimes this type of bitachon requires a lack of action. Sometimes this type of belief in Hashem requires that a person should not act, depending on what kind of act it is. He gives an example from Yosef in Parshas Vayeshev that Yosef interpreted the dreams of the butler and the dream of the, of the baker. And after he interpreted the dream of the Saramashkim, of the butler, he asked him, he asked him, uh, he asked him to remember him. Yosef asked the Saramashkim, the butler, to, the, the butler to remember him and to mention him to Paro. And because the Medrash criticizes Yosef for this, the Medrash says that his actions, uh, this, his actions were not in line with the proper practice of one who believes in, who trusts in God, and therefore he stayed in the prison that he was in for another two years. Says the Chazonish in the middle of this paragraph, this means to say, Yosef Yoda, Yosef knew, Yosef knew that his being saved from this jail was not dependent on his actions because it doesn't matter what a person does. It doesn't matter the effort that a person puts in. Everything is in the hands of God. However, we are obligated to try to do our best to put in every effort to save ourselves. In this case, to find a vaccine, to distance ourselves, to flatten the curve, as they are, as they are saying, 
in, in the virus, that there is an obligation for us for social distancing, etc. Whatever the doctors and the scientists are recommending to for the, for the population, it is. The reason why is because one is not allowed to rely on a miracle. Of course, God can intervene, but we're not allowed to rely on a miracle. And we're supposed to try whatever we can that is helpful in the situation. Therefore, Yosef, knowing this, Yosef and because Yosef decided that he has to do what he has to do, therefore he used this opportunity that came in front of him to ask the Sar Hamashkim to ask the butler to save him. Va'amnam, however, be'yois shilafi, be'yois, however, be'yois shilafi t'chunas, because be'yois shilafi t'chunas, ha'rehavim e'en b'tivo liskoi, but because this prince, this butler, was a conceited fellow, because he was in a position of power, therefore it's not his nature, to remember Ulahetiv and to do good with Yosef, therefore asking this butler for salvation was an act of desperation. It's not an act that is normal that one puts in to try to save their situation. Yosef's act was an act of somebody who's desperate, who knows that their actions are not efficacious because the person is not going to listen anyway. A person who is given up, a person who is desperate, does everything that they can. Even things that do not help. Even situations that, that, that have no, no purpose. And, and asking this butler had no, very, a zero chance of help. A person who trusts in Hashem does not act desperate. They are calm, they are collective in the confidence that Hashem is in charge. This is not an obligation on a person to do such an action. And this action that Yosef did was like throwing dust on the light of trust in God, on the concept of, on, on, on the lit up concept of the trust in God. And because since it's not an obligation, it's, it is prohibited to act desperate when one is trusting in Hashem, when one understands that they're in the hands of Hashem. Of course, the rabbi's intention is not to criticize Yosef's attribute of trust in Hashem, but the action that he did, the decision that he made, that the action itself and the exterior is an act of desperation. And Yosef knew that there is no help. That people don't help. It's Hashem that helps. That which he obligated himself to ask from the Sar Hamashkim, from the butler. This was not a correct action according to the tradition of the rabbis in, in truth. He should not have he should not have enlisted the help of those that are conceited. So, of course, we are obligated to act to alleviate our situation. In this case that we're talking about the virus, we're supposed to do everything that is required of us to do that helps according to, according to natural cause and effect. That is our obligation. It is our hishtadlus. However, 
one who trusts in Hashem does not do things that are acts of desperation. We are not allowed to be desperate. Instead, we have to trust in Hashem and, 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 and be calm and know that this is not a happenstance situation. This is a situation is, 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 is not by accident. It, it didn't just happen. There is a reason why it's happening, even though we don't know the reason, but we know that who is in charge. We know that Hashem, we know that God is controlling the situation. And sometimes we are faced in a situation where our hands are tied and there's nothing for us, there is nothing for us to do. And when there's nothing for us to do, we are absolved from, we are absolved for, from any obligation. And here, for the scholars amongst us, we are going to illustrate this point from a Tosvos in Shabbos on page 4a. For the scholars amongst us, just because we are, uh, this, this uh, discussion, this class, uh, this podcast is not meant to uh, tell us what to do uh, and proclaim uh, proclaim of how a person should act, although we are learning together how to act. Primarily it is, the, the, the class is in order that we should all be engaged in learning. And here we're going to learn a, a little bit uh, and this, what we are going to learn is going to illustrate this point that we have just made in the name of the Chazanish. But it's going to start with a subject that is totally unrelated to what we have been discussing until now. The Gemara says in Shabbos on page 4a has the following dilemma. In the olden days, when they used to have ovens and they used to bake bread, so the bakers, what they would do is, is when the oven got hot, they would take the dough and they would attach it to the walls of the oven and this and the uh, all of the walls of the oven the right left forward backwards top bottom of the oven which wherever there was a wall they would attach the dough would stick to the wall the dough would stick to the wall and then it would bake into bread so on Shabbos of course one is not allowed to bake one is not allowed to cook like the Gemara says, like the Mishnah says in Tractate Shabbos on page 73, one is not allowed to bake. So one is not allowed to, be, uh, to attach the dough to the oven. One is not allowed to attach the dough to the oven on Shabbos because then they are going to uh, transgress cooking on Shabbos um, as soon as the dough bakes into bread. However, also one once the bread has been attached, let's say the bread has been attached before Shabbos, if the bread has been attached before Shabbos, let's say it was attached before Shabbos, one is also not allowed to remove the bread from the oven on Shabbos. That is a rabbinical enactment. That is a rabbinical enactment. So the Gemara has the following question. The Gemara has the following question. The Gemara says, what happens if a person what happens if a person on purpose, on Shabbos, goes and bakes the bread? And what they do is as follows. They take the dough and they attach it to the oven. And so now they are in the process of baking this bread. And as soon as the bread bakes, they are going to transgress baking on Shabbos. 
then a person has, the person who attached the bread to the oven has regret and they decide that they don't want to transgress this transgression. So what they want to do is they want to remove the bread. They want to remove the bread from the oven before it bakes, the dough from the oven before it bakes into bread. So the Gemara's question is, will we allow? That is a rabbinical prohibition. Will we allow in such a case the person to remove the bread? Will we allow the person to remove the bread in such a case? Will we allow the person to remove the bread in such a case in order to alleviate, in order to avoid the the more serious transgression of cooking on Shabbos? Will we allow that or not? Uh, will we allow him to transgress the rabbinical transgression of removing, of scraping off the bread in order to avoid the cooking on Shabbos? Will we allow that? That's the Gemara's question. So Tosos here, in Dibra Amaschal, Koydim Shiyov, Olivi Yisra Tosos asks the following question. V'im Toymar, says Tosos, Ma baya hi zu? What is the Gemara's question? Im hitiro lirdosa, if we allow him to remove the bread, of course, what is the option? We allow him to remove the bread or we don't allow him to remove the bread. Okay, so if we allow him to remove the bread, he removes it and then he does not transgress baking. But if we don't allow him to remove the bread, then what happens? He, if we don't allow him to remove the bread, then he won't remove it and he's going to transgress baking on Shabbos, which is a Torah, which is a, which is a Torah obligation. Says Tosas, what kind of question is that? Of course, he's not going to listen to us. He's not going to listen to us if we tell him that he can't remove it. What, and what, what, what's the force of him removing it? The force of him removing it is that, 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 that the, a rabbinical decree, he'll say to himself, I'm happy to, uh, to, uh, to transgress a rabbinical decree to avoid a, a, a Torah obligation of baking. So even, so what's the Gemara's question that we should not allow him? Of course, he's not going to listen to us. Says Tosos, the answer is, the Riva answers, that if we do, if we, if we, the Imlo Hitiru, if we don't allow him to do it, and we tell him he's not allowed to take it off, he's not going to transgress. Because why is he not doing it? Not because he wanted to bake. Why is he not going to do it once we tell him he cannot bake it? The reason why he's not going to do it because we tell him he cannot bake it, the reason why he's going to do that is because, because we're not allowing him. Once we're not allowing him to do it, then, then he's not transgressing anymore because it's out of his hands. It's not in his hands anymore to remove it. He has regret. He put it on on Shabbos. He wants to remove it, but we're not allowing him. So it's like we're tying his hands to, his, uh, to, 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 to a tree. It's like we're tying him to a chair and he's not able to remove the bread. Once we prohibit, so the Gemara's question is, should we prohibit him or should we allow him? If we prohibit him, of course he's going to listen to us. And what about the transgression? He's no longer obligated for the transgression of the bed baking because we prohibited him. He is what is considered an onus. That's what Tosos says. And it's interesting to note that Rabbi G. David Bleich applies this this um, this this tosvos to an issue that he wants to resolve regarding autonomous automobiles and the trolley problem. Rabbi G. David Bleich has an article in Tradition, Journal of Orthodox Jewish Thought, Summer 2019, Volume 51, 
number three in the article that we just uh, that we just mentioned. And on page 75, he says as follows regarding this Tosos comments. He says, it is Tosos' resolution that uh, uh, resolution of that perplexity that is striking. Tosos declared that assuming the rabbinic decree actually applies in such a situation, prudence would not be a factor because a person who obeys the edict and allows the bread to remain in place would incur no penalty. Being prevented from retroactively curing his, curing his transgression by reason of present obedience to rabbinical injunction constitutes an onus or a force majeure, right? If a person, like we said, says Rabbi J. David Blach, if a person is, is not doing it because of a rabbinical enactment, then he is an onus. He, it's not in his, it is not in his purview. It is not in his control to be able to take the bread off. Therein Tosus propounded a novel thesis, continues Rabbi Blach. Not only is force majeure a principle that serves to disassociate any act from its perpetrator and effectively remove him as the author of the act, but even if the act itself is knowingly performed, so long as its effects has not yet been actualized, if the individual is thwarted in his desire to prevent that outcome, the original act itself is deemed to have been performed under duress, since the effect occurs contrary to his will because a halachic constraint has been placed upon him. Says Rabbi that yes, this person put on the bread in the oven. He put it on on purpose. He did it on Shabbos. And now the transgression will be satisfied when the bread, when the bread is baked. That is going to happen. But he is being prevented from removing it by a rabbinical injunction. That rabbinical injunction now serves to tie his hands. He has no choice. He cannot remove the bread. Therefore, he is absolved. He is absolved from the, from, from the bread when it bakes because he is disassociated from the original action of putting the bread on the oven walls because he has no choice. And there, there Rabbi J. David Bleich applies the same reasoning to an automated car. And he says as follows, skip a paragraph, he says on the same page the same thing, he says like this, the same reasoning may be applied to a case in which a person places a vehicle in motion and later finds himself in a situation in which multiple individuals will be, will be doomed unless he intervenes. Motivated by the desire to reduce the number of, of deaths he would cause by not intervening, that individual might seek to alter the direction of the vehicle so that it might so that it would strike only a, per, a single person but refrain from doing so because he is forbidden to initiate a new act that will result in the death of an uh, as of yet unendangered person. It would follow that he is not culpable for any resultant death because his failure to intervene lies in his fidelity to the halacha which commands him not to sacrifice the life of an as yet unendangered person in order to spare the large, larger numbers of victims. So here we have Rabbi J. David Bleich says, let's say a, a computer programmer wrote an, al uh, uh, wrote an algorithm for an automated car. He wrote an algorithm for an automated car that is programmed to continue in its direction in a certain situation. And now the car is continuing in its situation, in, 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 in its, in its uh, um, pre-programmed direction and it's about to strike 20 people on the, unless it veers left. 
So if a person, the 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 algorithm has to be written that that the that that the car should intervene, or let's say even the driver who's driving the car can put it into 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 manual and intervene in the trajectory of the car and veer it left. But if it veers it left, it's going to kill another person. One is not allowed to kill another person, as the Gemara is as it says in the Ten Commandments. And even to, to save their own life, as the Gemara tells us in Tractate Sanhedrin, page 74. So therefore, this intervention will cause a... Pro, uh, 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 what, 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 it, sure, it will only kill one person, as opposed to the 20 people. But this intervention of this automated car to turn the car to the left, is that prohibited or is it, or is it permissible? It is prohibited. Since the Torah prohibits the murder of somebody else, even if it is to save another individual, therefore the person who's writing the algorithm is constrained by the Torah's injunction of murder of one individual. And therefore, since he's constrained by that injunction, therefore he is considered to be an onus. He is considered to be disassociated from the act of the car driving in its, in its, initial, in, in its original trajectory. Therefore, continues Rabbi Bleich, according to Tosvos, an otherwise undesired act undertaken solely because of Allahic imperative constitutes force majeure or annoyance with regard to any attendant transgression. So here we have, in this elaborate example, we have in, in the article of the tradition, which is really what we see from this Tosvos, is that we see that the, 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 the Torah to us the injunctions of the Torah or the rabbinical decrees to us are perforce that we are obligated to perform them. And when we find ourselves in a situation where we might consider that the situation will be alleviated or better, all we have to do is transgress. All we have to do is transgress a, a, a rabbinic injunction. All we have to transgress a Torah law in order to alleviate the situation, we have no obligation, we, we have no, we have no, we, we, and we cannot do it. So we, 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 we cannot take that option. I, we will find ourselves responsible for the action that will happen if we don't intervene and transgress this rabbinic injunction. It doesn't matter, we're considered an onus. We are considered that we have nothing to do. We find ourselves in a situation where the circumstances have been predetermined and we have been put in a situation where we, there is nothing that we can do. We, we cannot move the car this way. We can't move the car that way. So what do we do then? We do nothing. We stand by and we do what we can do. And that is make the choices that, choices that, we, can, that, that we can make. So too we have in this situation with the coronavirus, we have that there's nothing that we can do. It's not in our control. It is not by accident, as we said. It is not happenstance. It is designed by Hashem. And when we understand, and the only things that we are obligated to do is the things that are within our purview and the things that are not acts of desperation. When we understand this, this gives us the strength to trust in Hashem, gives us the strength to persevere through these difficult situations, knowing and understanding that we are doing everything that we can possibly do in this situation. So this should 
be, th this is the perspective of the Torah, of what a person's attitude or, or what our attitude should be when faced in a situation of difficulty. That our attitude should be when faced in such a situation of difficulty is, is that it's not in our control, but it's also not an accident. It is, it is in, Hash, it is in Hashem's, it is in, 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 in Hashem's, it is in, it, it, it's in Hashem's hands. Things don't always turn out for the best. Things are not always good and not always shiny. The world is filled with malevolence, malevolence that is brought upon by people, malevolence that is brought upon by, by nature, and that's, that's the way it is. Things are not always, uh, things when, when, we, when we look at the world, when we study the world, when we see the world, when we see things such as the Holocaust, we see thing, other, other catastrophes and malevolence in the world, a lot, malfeasance in the world, evil in the world, we don't have we don't we, we don't have an answer for that, as the Gemara tells us in Tractate Brachos, right? The proper perspective, though, is is to understand that nothing is by accident; that we are in the hands of Hashem. Nothing is going to happen to us that is random; that is just going to sideswipe us, and nobody will be the wiser for that. Everything is designed by Hashem, and on the, and the understanding of that perspective, the knowledge of that perspective, on understanding that is. What true bitachin is, as the as as the Chazanish said, and as we see from this dosos, that once a person is 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 out of is it's not in his control to do something, then he's considered to be an ones, and even if he set uh, certain things into motion, he will not be held accountable for them. He will not be held accountable for him. A person who 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 acts with the knowledge that things are not in their control and but have the perspective that they want that they should be in God's control and they know that it should be in God's control and that everything should turn out for the best that's the true bitachin and trust in Hashem and that is what we wanted to share with everybody this evening everybody should stay healthy and everybody should stay healthy and everybody should should um, we should all come out of we should all come out of this situation happy and healthy and with growth and hatzlocha in the future.